Happy Sabbath. Let's, let's, act, let's put the happy back in that Sabbath. Happy Sabbath. There we go. There we go. And also, I want to thank everyone for coming out. Um, I want to thank, of course, Pioneer Memorial Church. Like I was saying in a first service, I believe that this church is a very brave church. And the reason why I say that is because they are uh, entrusting their church service to the likes of us, us young college students. So we got a lot of, uh, uh, a lot of control up here. I wonder what we're going to do with it. <laughs> but I want to thank um, you, this church. I want to thank New Life and One Place, LSF, all the churches that's been working with us. Um, of course, I want to thank everyone on AUSA. Well, not everyone on AUSA because, for instance, that I'm 4'6". I'm 5'5", five, five, which I know is not that much different, but to me, it's a world of difference. But thank you to the AUSA team, and of course, um, I want to thank Pastor Dwight Nelson, and I just want to say that not only are you one of my favorite pastors, but you are my favorite Dwight, because there's a lot of Dwights. I'm a, for my basketball fans out there, we got Dwight Howard. It could be him, but it's not. We got uh, Dwight Eisenhower. And we got, for my office fans out there, Dwight Schrute. But my favorite one is Pastor Dwight Nelson. Um, you really make that name a good name. So thank you. Um, I remember when we were meeting with Pastor Dwight to discuss some of the stuff that we were going to be doing. And everyone was kind of saying like what they're going to do, just giving him a little synopsis, just to make sure you know we're not uh, spewing any heresy or anything like that. And I remember being very nervous because I'm like, all right, I got to be ready for, for when Pastor Dwight's like, yo, what's this whole Dory Disney thing about? I'm like, okay, I'll be ready. So I rehearsed it. I was prepared. I was waiting. And it was finally my turn to talk to Pastor Dwight and let him know. And so I'm ready. And I was just like, okay, I'm going to tell you a little bit, but like, I don't want to give away the whole thing. And he was like, oh no, it's okay. I trust you. I was like, wow, you guys have a brave pastor. <laughs> But we thank you, Pastor Dwight, for your ministry, and we thank everyone for being here today on AUSA Sabbath. This is very special to us, and so we appreciate all you. And with that, let's have a word of prayer. Father in heaven, um, I thank you for the opportunity to be here today, God, and I know that with events like this, it's very easy to lose sight of the heart of worship, and we see AUSA, we see PMC, um, we see my name on the poster, we see Dory, but... Those are all just symbols pointing to you, Jesus. So I just pray that with this sermon, with the rest of our service, that it all points back to the heart of worship, the heart of worship, which is you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I have a question, and it's not rhetorical. You can answer the question. You can raise your hand. You can do whatever you need to do, but try to give me some feedback here. My question is, who here has ever filled out a job application? A job application. See a couple hands out there. If your neighbor's hand isn't up, we're going to pray for them. We're going to pray for them. I, the unemployment and everything, we understand. But So I filled out a, a couple of job applications before. And it doesn't even necessarily have to be a job application. It could be maybe to apply to a university or a program or whatever it is. I know for me, I even had to fill out an application to... Um, be in this position. I know some of you are probably wondering, like, who accepted that application? But uh, there's something about uh, applications, especially job applications in particular, that kind of bother me. They rub me the wrong way. It's two questions in particular, but uh, one bothers me even more so. But the one that bothers me a little bit, but not too much, is the question, um, why 
uh, do you want to work here? Why do you want to work here? Because I look at it and I know, like, especially in the interview process, I'm trying to think, like, why do you want to work here? That's a big question. And to be honest, it's because I'm broke. That's why I want to work here. <laughs> I'm poor and I need your money. That's why I want to work here. Now, I know that that question might mean a lot more when it comes to more prestigious positions, but when I'm applying to work at Chipotle, I don't have dreams and aspirations to make rice bowls. I need money. You have it. I got hands to work. Let's make this happen. But another question that, that I, I despise because it makes me have to lie sometimes, and that question is, what are your weaknesses? What is your greatest weakness? What is your greatest weakness? And it's not because I think I don't have any weaknesses, but it's more so like, dang, how many you want me to put down? <laughs> and I think about that question, and I've been, I've been taught some uh, sneaky ways to kind of like hula hoop around the question. One of those ways is to give an answer such as, my greatest weakness is that if I was to be honest and be transparent and vulnerable, I'm a perfectionist. I know I've been working about it. I've been working on it. Me and God have been praying about it, but I just, like, I just have to get it done right. If you give me an assignment, I will make sure that it's done perfectly. And sometimes that's just such a burden and it makes the other coworkers look bad. And I apologize in advance that I'm so great. I don't mean to flex. I apologize. What can I say? Another way to answer that question, to get around it, is to say, my greatest weakness is that I just work too hard. Like, I work too hard, and, and if I work so hard, you're going to have to pay me more because I'm putting in more hours, and then I don't want to offend the other people and make them look like slackers, and I just work so hard. I'm so dependable. Sometimes I'm too dependable. Like, every now and then, you got to know that I'm human, and I can't be dependent on, but just whatever you need, I just work hard, and that's, that's a weakness, but I'm going to work harder on not working as hard. And I think those are neat ways to kind of dance around it. But I think that if I was to be honest when I answer that question, maybe some of the positions that I applied for, I wouldn't have received. And I think maybe with a lot of us, if we were to just be direct, what's your greatest weakness? I wonder how much that would change that application. Because I know for me, if I was to be honest, one of my greatest weakness, weaknesses, if not my greatest weakness, is that I am a quitter. I quit. And I know there's different reasons why people quit. Some people quit because maybe it's too hard, right? Like it's too hard. You signed up for this and then all of a sudden it's so hard. You register for a class and then all of a sudden, like you thought you signed up for Spanish one, but they're doing Chinese and you just can't get it. And so you quit. There's other people that quit maybe because they're bored like, there's nothing necessarily going wrong, but at the same time, you've been in the same position for a while, and so you just want to move on and, and soar new heights, and so you quit. And then there are those who quit because, and I, I would say that this is more of, a, more of a reasonable reason to quit, and that is because maybe they found a, a better position elsewhere, right? Maybe they found a, a job offer or something that they just can't refuse, and so they leave their current position prematurely because they just can't resist this, this um, promotion. But for me, and maybe for a lot of us, the reason why I tend to quit is when I sign up for something, but the reality of the situation doesn't match the expectations that I had when I signed up. And there's a, another pastor that I like a lot. His name is Stephen Furtick. And what he calls this predicament is stuck and supposed to. Stuck and supposed to. 
And so there'd be times when I thought that this class wasn't supposed to be hard. They told me this teacher was supposed to be an easy professor. But now I got a 90-page paper due in the morning. And so I quit. Or I thought that, that being a family member was supposed to be all loving and homemade cookies and getting tucked in at night and bedtime stories. But I didn't know it was going to take so much sacrifice. It wasn't supposed to be like this. And so I quit. Or I thought AUSA was straight clout. You just go on there, you speak, you get to talk, you get to tell everybody and give out shirts and pens and, and everything and have an office. But I didn't know it was going to be so much time. I didn't know that we actually like do some pretty serious stuff. It wasn't supposed to be such a commitment. And I don't know what's supposed to you're stuck in, but I do believe that as Christians, uh, God is calling us to be an example to the world on perseverance, on the ability to press on. If there's one thing that, that should not be embodied by Christians, it's the attitude of quitting. And this is not just uh, the gospel according to Dory or the gospel according to Michael Cuke, but this is actually biblical. So if you turn with me to, the, to our scripture verse for today in Philippians chapter 3, and I'm just going to read verses 12 to 14 in the New King James Version. You can follow along. I'll read in your hearing, though. It says, not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on. But I what? But I what? But I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren and sisterin, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind me and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So we see that this is a a biblical mandate from God. And I don't know, I know that for me, sometimes when I read the Bible, I get inspired. Like certain things, like I'll read a, a text and then I'll feel inspired to go talk to somebody, send someone a text message. Or I'll read a text and I'll be like, oh, let me go visit my professor's office hours or something. It's like God's giving you advice. That's what the Bible's about. And so, but for me, there's a weird thing that happened here. And it wasn't, I didn't read it and feel like, okay, I need to, to, to go and encourage someone. Or I need to, or it reminded me of a, of a big situation. What I was reminded of when I read this text and I don't know if it was the influence of the Holy Spirit or the influence of the spirit of Disney Plus, but I, was, I, thought about, I thought about Finding Nemo. I read it. I was like, wow, Finding Nemo. Because I was thinking about the ability to, to press on and how this verse talks about going forward and moving forward and, and pressing on. And I thought about how in that whole movie, and I would say spoiler alert, but you had like 17 years to watch it. So there's not too much I could do for you. But that whole movie is about just Marlon and Dory and the whole gang working hard and pressing on through all these obstacles so that they could, they could find Nemo, which they did. Spoiler alert. And there is one uh, particular character that stuck out to me. And just to refresh your memory a little bit, there was this one character named Crush, right? Crush. He was the, the surfer dude. And as, as a kid, we looked at him and, and we thought he was just like this cool, laid back surfer turtle. But now that I'm older and I've taken classes such as drugs and behavior, I feel like maybe he was, uh, he ate too much seaweed, maybe. <laughs> and there is uh, another character, which is Crush's son by the name of Squirt. 
Uh, he was just cute. We all love Squirt. There was Bruce, which was the sketchy shark guy. He was, he was there and like he was good. And he was like a, not necessarily a vegan, but he decided he wasn't going to eat fish. But then when he smelled the blood, it was over. There was Bubbles, the guy that liked Bubbles. Of course, there was Marlin. Marlin is Nemo's dad. And he's, they call him a worry wart. I think uh, maybe some kids can relate when they think about their parents. Um, there was Nemo, who the story is, is mainly focused on finding Nemo. There was Deb and Flo, and maybe you don't remember this one, but the split personality, she kind of was like nice at times and then mean. And I think some of us have uh, some Deb and Flo's in our life, but I think we phrase it as like fake friends or something like that. There was, there was, a, there was Gurgle. This was the neat freak. And, and sometimes he was a bit of an interference because they needed the, the bubbles for the passageway. And he'd say, no, bubbles are dirty. Maybe I remember the movie more than you. <laughs> But the one that, that, that really caught my attention or that I thought about mostly when I was thinking about this movie is Dory. Dory. And Dory suffered from this, uh, this, this acute short-term memory loss condition. But I thought about her because while the whole movie is kind of focused on this ability to press on, there was one phrase that she personified that I think embodied this whole theme of pressing on. And that phrase was just keep swimming. And I think it was interesting because uh, Dory could not remember much, but she remembered, always remembered, just keep swimming. Just keep swimming, just keep swimming, just keep swimming, swimming, swimming. How to remind you guys, right? And so I thought about that and I thought about just keep swimming. But I know that that's easier said than done. And I thought about in, a, in our Christian swim, in our Christian journey, how do we keep on swimming. And I believe that God has shown us certain ways that we can keep on swimming and that we can swim well until eternity. And I believe one of the first principles in helping us to just keep swimming is to swim past the past, swim past the past. Now, there is a, no doubt that this is not just a, a Dory concept, but this is a strongly biblical concept. In Isaiah 43, verse 18 to 19, it says, Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the desert. And I think that um, maybe it's hard to kind of accept this advice from a, a blue animated fish. Or maybe it's hard to accept it when your friend tells you. So let's go to the word of God. And I believe that there's a certain character, and you might know him as, as Saul or maybe Paul, who embody this ability to just keep swimming and to swim past the past. If you turn with me to Acts, we're going to go to chapter 8 in Acts. We see at the beginning of this chapter, Paul, if the very first verse of this chapter talks about how Paul was consenting to his death. And by his, they're talking about Stephen. So he just, Paul just starts off as a villain. He was consenting to his death. And then we go to Acts 8 verse 3, which describes Saul in this current moment. And it says, but Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. But then all of a sudden, a couple verses go by and we understand that Paul has this revelation with God that changes everything. He has this, this, this moment. And then all of a sudden, he goes from, from being this person that's persecuting Christians to one chapter later in Acts chapter 9, verse, verse 15, Jesus is talking about Paul and says, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles 
and their kings and to the people of Israel. And also there's something else that happened in between those verses that I didn't include, but I thought about it. And it's that it talks about how when, when Ananias came to, to relieve Paul and, and to give him back his vision through God, there were these things like scales that fell off Paul, Paul's eyes, right? And I thought that was very fitting because scales, dory, fish, connection, right? But I think that is also very fitting because before Paul was able to see, it says that these, these scale-like things fell off his eyes and then he was able to see. And it made me wonder, I wonder what skills I have on my eyes that's stopping me from seeing. And maybe we could look introspectively and wonder what needs to fall off, what needs to be removed to help you see that you are a chosen vessel by God. Could it be a relationship? Could it be something you're studying? Could it be the music you listen to? What is it that's stopping you from seeing how God sees you? And I think that a lot of us have this, that like moment where everything changed, right? We have that moment where everything changed and we're sure because, because God was talking directly to Paul and he's saying that you are a chosen vessel. So, so Saul and now he's Paul, he's sure now that God chose him. So now he's happy. And I think a lot of us have that moment where it's like, all right, I'm sure. Like I know now, yeah, I had the past. I can swim past the past now because I'm sure. But then we run into certain hurdles like Paul did. In verse 26, it talks about Paul He's found this newfound favor with God, this new life with Christ. And all of a sudden it says in verse 26 of chapter 9 of Acts, it says, when he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. And I think that sometimes that prevents us from swimming past the past because we know that God has made us a chosen vessel, but then the other people don't believe that we're really disciples. The other people don't believe we're really Christians. The other people don't believe that when we're up there singing, we're really singing from our heart. They just like to be seen. They don't really believe that I'm trying as a student. They don't really believe that I'm trying my best to be a good parent. They don't really believe I'm doing my best to lead the church. And so we start to doubt it and it makes us get stuck in the past. But I remember Frenson mentioning something about how I like basketball. And one thing, one principle that has helped me in basketball, I remember when I was younger, I'd be playing at the park. I used to always get in debates with people. And we'd say, who's better? I'm better. No, you're better. Better, 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 better. At this point, we probably were all whack. But we were just fighting about who's better. And I remember this one time, this one kid was, was sitting down while everybody else was playing. And he came up to me and he was like, you know, like you're not even that good. Because I think I just beat his friends or something. Like, my team beat his friend's team. And I looked at him, and I was ready to, like, hit him with this fire rebuttal. Like, but then I thought about it. I was like, you know, it doesn't matter what you think about me. Because you're not anything in basketball. You weren't even playing with us. You're not my coach. You're not a scout. You're not a GM. You, you, you don't give me any credibility in basketball, so how can you take it away? And in the same way, a lot of times we get stuck because people won't allow us to move on from the past. They say, you're not really a disciple. You're not really a Christian. It's all fake. You didn't give me my title. You can't take it away. It doesn't matter what you really think because my God has really made me a chosen vessel. And so we must swim past the past. And Paul, instead of getting stuck in the past and, and, and getting uh, bombarded by these people thinking he was a phony, instead he declares in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17, Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. 
And I love this verse, but I remember sometimes it just, it wouldn't feel good hearing it because I would think that this verse is only applicable to like a change of life. So if I say like, okay, like 10 years ago, I was this way. Now it's 10 years later. And now I can say, I have a, a, a whole new life. God has changed my life. Now I could be a new person, right? But what if it wasn't a lifetime ago? What if it was yesterday? What if it was last semester that you're trying to change from? And I know that a lot of times in Christianity, we, we push this, this idea, this theme that it's never too late to turn back to God. It's never too late, which is very true. But guess what? It's also never too soon. It's never too soon. It's not like you have to have this, this, this seven-day trial where you got to cleanse yourself from sin and then come back. It's never too soon. It's never too late, and it's never too soon. Whether you're, it was a yesterday or a yester lifetime, you can come to God. In Lamentations verse 3, chapter 3, verses 20 to 23, it says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercy never comes to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. They are new every what? They are new every it doesn't say they're new every life. They're new every, every 10 years. They're new every week. They're new every morning. So it doesn't matter if you're trying to be a new creation from an old life or a new creation from yesterday. God makes everything new. And that's why we have the power to swim past the past. Another thing that I notice both embodied in uh, the apostle Paul and uh, the pseudo apostle Dory is this ability to swim with the current, swim with the current. And in the, in the movie Finding Nemo, there, there is this, uh, this thing called the EAC, EAC, right? I almost said EA Sports, EAC. And what it stood for is the East Australian Current, the East Australian Current. And there was a lot of times where it was difficult for Dory and Marlin and whoever else was involved to get to this place because they're trying to swim so far away and they're just trying their best, but they're not making a lot of progress until suddenly they get on the East Australian current and they're moving so fast and they got the turtles helping them. They got crushed and they got squirt and they got the whole gang and they're moving so fast because they're swimming with the current. And I believe that in our Christian wall, God has blessed us with the current, but I think we know this current as the Holy Spirit. And the Bible makes this, uh, the, the power of this current, of swimming with the current, very clear. In Romans 8, verse 11, it says, And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his Spirit who lives in you. In John 6, verse 63, it says that the spirit gives life. The flesh is of no help at all. The power is in the current. It's the spirit. It's not the sermon. And that's one of the things just for all my preachers or singers or anybody else who's, when you're doing something for God, one of the things that really helps you relieve that nervousness is knowing that it's not my preaching that's going to make a difference. It's not the poster that says Dory that's going to make a difference. It's not the beautiful voices of Adriana and Darius and everybody else that's going to make a difference. It's not the AA choir, even though they sounded angelic. It's the spirit. It's the spirit who gives life. The flesh is of no help at all. Paul continues in verse 26 of Romans 8. It says that the spirit helps us in our weakness. I think a lot of times we feel weak. I can't do it. I can't swim past the past. I can't swim with the current. 
But God says that my grace is sufficient for you. For my power works best in weakness. So never let your weakness be something that inhibits you from coming to God. Because that's when he has more room to work. If you had all the power, if you had all the strength, then why would you need God? And I don't know about you, but in my upbringing as a Seventh-day Adventist and PK and, and all the above, I've heard so much about the Holy Spirit. And sometimes when you hear something repeatedly, it's, it's very special, but it starts to become common, right? But the Holy Spirit is far from common. And I think that maybe I could illustrate the power of the Holy Spirit uh, better with an analogy than with words. So I'm going to ask my brothers if they could bring up this table and... We're going to try to try to illustrate the the power and the change and the difference of the Holy Spirit toward our swim when we swim with the current. And uh, just a a, a quick disclaimer, Um, according to the Andrews University uh, general education requirements for my major, I had to take a physical science class. So I started taking Kim 100 with Dr. Murga and... So I just want to mention his name, not only because he helped me uh, set this up, but also if this fails, not Michael Cuke, Dr. Murga. That's the agreement we made, right? Okay. So the Holy Spirit, right? So here's what we're going to do. I've been in chemistry class for three weeks, and I'm Albert Einstein. (laughs) Don't worry. All right. Okay, so you see this vessel, right? This vessel. We were uh, in first service. I forgot what this was called. That shows you how I'm doing in the class. This is second service, and I don't remember. Mary? An Erlenmeyer flask. Come on. That was just a test. Y'all wouldn't pass Kim 100. So this is an Erlenmeyer flask, but we're going to look at this as a vessel, right? This is the vessel. This is us. We're God's, we're God's vessel. And we're filled up in our life by different things, right? Just the way we were raised, our environment, our family, our upbringing, what church we go to, whether we were homeschooled, shout out to my kind, whether we went to public school, AA, whatever it is. Just different things fill us up. And I mean, we're all filled up with different ways. No one can really tell what you're filled up with from the outside. Man looks at the outside, God looks at the heart. We all look pretty standard. Everybody's around here looking like this, right? But then we start to fill ourselves up with some things, right? And sometimes... We fill ourselves up with things that aren't necessarily the best for us. Maybe we just, I'm too busy to pray. Let me put some of that in. Maybe, uh, let let me not go to church this week. Let me go to bedside SDA. Maybe, uh, (laughs) let let me, let me, let me gossip. It's just, it's just fun. It's just an Instagram page. It's not that serious. Let me just, let me just disrespect my parents. They're, they're, I'm in college. I'm 18. And so we feel good. We're doing these certain things, but nobody really knows. It's on the inside. It's behind closed doors. It's within the DMs. No one can really tell when it's on the down low. But then the Holy Spirit comes, and it's like an indicator, and it, and, it, and it tests us. Tries to see, boom, boom. How are we really? The Holy Spirit convicts us. And when the Holy Spirit convicts us, and we start to get closer to God. It's this, this weird uh, anomaly of like the closer I feel to God, the more I feel like I'm, I'm bad, right? Because the Holy Spirit convicts us and, and, and shows us how we really are, the things that we need to change. But the great thing about God is that he doesn't leave us where we are. It's, it's come as you are so you can leave as I am, right? So he doesn't leave us as we are. So the Holy Spirit, I hope this isn't like blasphemy to compare it to a lemon, but... The Holy Spirit, right? Let's think about this lemon, right? 
is, is, is kind of sour and bitter at first. And that's kind of how the Holy Spirit is when you first get convicted. Like, ah, oh, dang, I shouldn't have sent that text. Dang, I shouldn't have talked to, talked to that person that way. Dang, I should have said hi to that person instead of acting like I didn't see them. Dang, I shouldn't have done that. And then we start to see that our, our sins are like scarlet. The Holy Spirit shows us that. But he doesn't leave us there because the Bible doesn't just say your sins are like scarlet. Sorry. It says, though your sins be like scarlet, he will make them white as snow. So the Holy Spirit, a little connection through prayer, a little going back to church, a little spending time with God. And then all of a sudden, you're white as snow. Shout out to Dr. Murga. And that's the power of the Holy Spirit. And something that I noticed in first service that I didn't say, but someone talked to me about it after, is that also just take notice that the seeds came in here too. So when the seed of that Holy Spirit is planted in you, you don't have to worry about your sin anymore. You don't have to worry about your past anymore. You don't have to worry about what you did yesterday because the seed of the Holy Spirit, and I am rooted and deeply planted in Christ Jesus, and I am a new creation. Behold, the old things are passed away and all things have become new. And there's finally one other thing that we can see illustrated here in the life of Paul, in the life of Dory, in the life of any follower of God who wants to stay, just keep swimming on that path towards Jesus. And that is the ability to swim submerged, swim submerged. In the movie Finding Nemo, there were a lot of instances where they ran into trouble because they decided to get out of the water, right? They're like, yo, let me just check how it's looking out here. And then all of a sudden they'd run into some different obstacle, whether it be a bird abducting them or whether it be a little crazy daughter of a, a dentist that's trying to shake up the fish and wake it up. Whatever the case may be, they wanted to get out the water. And so they ran into some trouble. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I want to just get out the water a little bit. You know what I mean? Like just can I, can I put one leg out and just try this out, right? It's my birthday. Let me put my leg out. It's the weekend. Come on. It's not that serious. I'll be back next Sabbath. But God makes it very clear that you are either for me or against me. And if you're not sowing with me, you're scattering. And you have to be all in. You have to swim, submerge. It can't just be one leg. It can't just be both legs. It can't just be your waist. But you got to dive in and you got to be head deep in the spirit of God and the blood of Jesus. Because if there's parts of your life that you're leaving untouched, if you're saying, God, you can have this area of my life, but you can't have this one. God, you can, you can have my relationships, but my academics, that's up to me. You can't have that. God, you can have uh, where I spend most of my time or even the text messages I send or maybe the music I listen to, but you can't have my major. You can't have, you can't have the certain things and you're just picking and choosing what you give to God. You're leaving yourself in a vulnerable place where you can't be touched by the spirit of God because he needs to consume you. Hebrews, the last verse of Hebrews 12 says that God is a consuming fire. It has to be everything. It has to be the music you listen to. It has to be the shows that you watch on Netflix. It has to be the way you talk to people. It has to be the idea that maybe instead of walking to class with headphones on, I'm going to take them off this period just so I can say hi to people and smile. It has to be the conversations you have in your dorm. It has to be the way you talk to your children. It has to be your, your ambition and drivenness when you're studying for school. It has to be everything. It's not just church. It's not just vespers. It's not just proximity. It's not just impact. It's not just when we're behind closed doors. It has to be everything. 
everything. This is everything. You have to swim submerged. You have to be completely, completely washed and dived in. And you have to stay in the water. Paul talks about this in 2 Timothy 4 verse 15. He says, give yourself entirely to them. He's giving counsel to a young pastor. And he could have said a lot of things. But one of the things he's saying in this young pastor's pursuit of the gospel is to give yourself entirely to it. And I don't know about you, but a lot of times I don't like swimming submerged. Why? I got to give everything. You got to take everything. It has to be everything. And maybe today there might be something that, that there's some limb that you're keeping outside of the water. There's something that you're not allowing God to touch. I don't know what it is, but I know in my life, there's been times where I decided God can touch this, but he can't touch that. I'll put these parts in the water, but not this. But God says that if you're lukewarm, if there's any parts that's out the water, I'd rather not have you at all. I'd rather spew you out. James, a friend of Paul, goes on to expand on this a little bit. And he says, so give yourselves completely to God, completely to God. Stand against the devil and the devil will run from you. Come near to God and God will come near to you. You sinners, clean sin out of your lives. You who are trying to follow God in the world at the same time, make your thinking pure. Give yourselves completely to God. And I, I believe that with the story of Paul, we see this concept of, of just keep swimming in body. We see him swimming away from the past. We see him swimming with the current and we see him swimming submerged. We see the same thing when we use the illustration of, of the Finding Nemo and Dory. But I think something that can maybe even be more impactful and sometimes, I know for me, it's very easy to walk around campus and overlook certain people. But I've seen people that have embodied this concept of just keep swimming in such a powerful way. One of those persons is my friend, Becky. Becky. Anybody know Becky? Can we put her on the screen to see if any of her friends are here? Becky, the first picture. There we go. That's Becky. Anybody know Becky? A.K.A. Rashanka. So this is Becky, right? And Becky gave me permission to tell just a little bit of how in her life she just kept swimming. And as she migrated here from, from Haiti, she came here with a, a calling, right? She knew that God placed some type of, of, of fire and purpose in her. But her family didn't really say that they would support her studying theology. So she decided to, to study something else. And she was studying something else. But then when she moved, someone told her and like prophesied over her that, you know, you're, you're going to be... You're going to do things for God. You're going to write a book. And she was, she was very confused when she heard that because she didn't know English well at the time. So how could she write a book when she's still having trouble with the language barrier? And how could she minister when she's having trouble and she can't even speak the language? And so she was confused about this. And so she just was doing her thing, but she decided to follow what God was saying and to just keep swimming. And so she switched. And even though her parents were saying, we're not going to necessarily support you if you study something like theology, she decided to make that switch. And today I sit next to Becky in theology classes. In August, Becky released a book called Cross the Jordan. And if you've ever heard Becky preach, you know that her English is fluent. And not only, and I think a lot of times it's, it, there's times where we look down at someone and we say like, oh, your, your English isn't good or whatever. But I know for most people, if you ever want to look at someone like that, I just think about the fact that you're bilingual or trilingual and I'm still putting the wrong there. Like, is it T-H-E-R-E or T-H-E-I? I don't know. 
And Becky was able to just keep swimming. I have another friend. His name is Hoseus. Anybody know Hoseus? Hoseus. My brother Hoseus, he also, he came from Mexico when he was about three years old. He, Hoseus, if you know him, he is a very hard worker and he's always been, and his family is a hardworking family. And he worked hard so that he could go to Andrews and study theology and follow the calling that God had in his life. But he ran into some obstacles. But God helped him overcome those obstacles because he was offered this big scholarship so that he would be able to attend Andrews. But then two weeks before he was supposed to attend, they notified him that he would no longer, for certain circumstances, he was no longer eligible to receive this scholarship. And he was so upset. He was so confused. He was so mad. But then, and this is his words, not mine. He said, the Lord rebuked me. And I think sometimes we need to be rebuked a little bit by God. And he said, the Lord rebuked me. And so he knew that if God really called him to it, then he would bring it to completion. And so one day, this is right before school starts. He's on the roof working with his dad and he gets this call. And this call is is from Andrews University Student Financial Services. And they're notifying him that they've decided to give him the full scholarship. And Hoseas just kept swimming and he didn't stop there, but he swam submerged. And today Hoseas is enrolled in classes. Hoseas is an honor student. Hoseas is a captain on the Cardinals. Hoseas is in gymnasts. Hoseas is a double major because he just kept swimming. And finally, and this, uh, it's hard to recall this story without tears, but this is a, a, a girl on this campus named Maggie Wilcox. Some of you may know her, Maggie. And we read her story earlier, but for time's sake, I'll just recall a little bit of it. But last year, she was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma, with cancer, as a young college student. And she recalls how she was so confused. She was so confused. She was so hurt. She didn't understand. She had so many questions for God. But she too just kept swimming, even though she was undergoing chemo and she was feeling nauseous. She was feeling dizzy. And she said one of the hardest parts was losing her hair. It made her forget how she used to be, who she used to be, because even when all the other symptoms subside, the hair takes so long to grow back. And, but she just kept swimming and she, under, she underwent the treatment. And recently, she just underwent her last cycle of chemotherapy. And she can now stand here and say that she is free because she just kept swimming. And she has another, she has another test coming up. And we're all confident that she's going to be completely free because she just kept swimming. And one of the, the, the common factors of all these stories is that even though they had these certain circumstances that seemed like it could not be overcome, they should, they, they, they should have quit. I mean, Hoseas, they offered you the scholarship and they took it away. Go to another school. Who needs Andrews anyways, right? I mean, Maggie, a young girl in her prime, And then all of a sudden, she could have looked at God like, why me? But she said that sometimes when you don't feel that God is good, you just have to believe it. And later on, you'll look back and realize that you were right. And she just kept swimming. And Becky, she could have have designated her talents elsewhere. She's a singer. She's a preacher. She's an author. 
and her family, it was not working and she has that tension. Why should, why did she have to give it up? But God made a way to just keep swimming. And I'm not sure your individual life story, but I am sure of one thing that it is not by accident that God inspired this message today. I believe that there is an individual or there are individuals who are facing a tough dilemma and they're ready to give up. Maybe you plan to, to, to turn in that resignation on Monday. Maybe you decide to drop out of that class tonight. Maybe you decide to break off those friendships or maybe you decided to, to give your Bible away. I'm done with this. I can't do it. I try and I keep messing up and I keep backsliding. But a neat thing is if you watch the sequel to, to Finding Nemo, Finding Dory, we find out at the end that her parents, Dory's parents, would leave these, these little shells, right? They would leave these little shells. And in the end of the movie, the reason why Dory, despite her getting lost because of her bad memory, she was able to make her way back through those shells. And I think that for us, God is leaving little shells for us to come back. And I think sometimes we want to give up because we feel guilty. I sin too much. I make too much mistakes. I'm the least of these. But God is leaving those shells. It's never too late to just keep swimming. And as I invite um, Adriana and, and the team to come and, and sing about how God has made a way, and because God made a way, we can just keep swimming, I challenge you to, to think about what it is in your life that you just need to keep swimming. I don't know what it is. I don't know what your story is, but I know that with the power of God, with the blood of the lamb, with the word of your testimony, like the word of Hoseas and Maggie and Becky's testimonies, you can just keep swimming.